You're listening to the Light Overtime Podcast with David Sargent and Corey Bartos. So just a short disclaimer at the beginning of this episode, we were trying to release this before the Sigma official announcement and the Canon official announcements, and we did not. So this podcast will serve as uh, what our predictions looked like before these things were released. (laughs) Uh, We hope you enjoy, and here's the show. Hey, David. Hey, what's going on? Not a whole lot. What you drinking today? Some Sadamo. Mm. Berry raspberry. Love to hear it. I, uh, I'm i almost out of that, but I got those two new bags from you. Ready to rock this week. I have a toddy cold brew machine on the way. Oh. All right. I asked the guy at Sunday Cafe from Bentine Island how he was making his uh, cold brew, and he gave me his recipe and recommended to get the toddy. So his was the best I've had in a long time. So I just figured I'd go to the source. And uh, as far as what I've gathered, the toddy system is basically the standard around the world. Yeah. <laughs> Every cafe that I know uses it. It's it's everywhere. Yeah, his uh, his cold brew lattes were probably better than just about any other uh, like standard latte from a subpar place. And it was definitely the best coffee I had while in the Philippines. So. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of cold brew, the Cafe Maria, the new place that opened up here in Charlevoix, he let me try his cold brew. And traditionally, I don't know if I told you this, but uh, traditionally, I like to use a lot of earthier, chocolatey, heavy note type of type of coffees for cold brew because it cuts the acidity and that chocolateiness comes out a lot sweeter. You know, without the acidity of like a dark roasted coffee that would be traditionally brewed hot. Anyway, he used um, like a light roast something super fruity from counterculture and it came out tasting like this sweet wine it was insane i love that not traditional but it was very cool i love that the whole place had a pretty cool vibe in general nice speaking of new cafes i went to factory's new location today and uh the coffee good as ever but a little too modern for my taste their uh their frank street Mm. locations kind of like a older kalamazoo building and it's just a a better vibe Mm -hmm. but anyway the coffee was good um they were out of bacon, so I didn't get a good breakfast, but it is what it is. That's sad. Uh, that said, I want to jump right into the first thing today, and I want to know uh, what you've been shooting this week, if anything. Yeah, so um, I haven't gone out to do a, like any photography for me, but I spent a bunch of time one day uh, playing with the new camera, um, doing some just shorts and reels type of content getting uh, to understand, customizing the heck out of the A7C um, because <laughs> it's got a lack of buttons and dials for customization. So, But it does give you, um, and I'm sure the rest of the Sonys do too, a uh, good level of customization for the FN menus between photo and video modes. So just getting my, and you've got the one, two, three and memory recall, so it's not terrible. Um, you just got to get a different workflow if you're used to the many c buttons for customizing but yeah just getting to understand that a little bit better and played with some files and things look pretty good cool that was actually my next uh my next question was now that you've gotten your uh your hands deeper into the a7c uh are you happy with the choice how's it been going yeah i I am um of course there's drawbacks because um i'm using primarily an a7 IV and as wonderful as that camera is um the a7 III just wasn't really up to task. We talked about that last week for some of the things I will be doing more of. The a7C does cover some of that for me, notably the 
you know, the LCD when I'm vlogging, um, the, the lightweight nature of it, it's so small. I mean, the, you take the viewfinder off. It's also like 150 grams lighter than the a7 III, I think. Uh, kind of ridiculous what they were able to pack in to this form factor, and I love that. Um, getting to really be familiar with it, it's not been a problem. Um, and honestly, accepting what it is, like people dislike the grip, as long as you understand it and the expectation of it, it's not a problem at all. So yeah, getting to play with the files has been good. Um, just did some S-Log3 stuff for uh, for reels and shorts, uh, some slow motion stuff. It's been it's been good. I haven't done a ton of photography with it yet. Not a lot of pictures, um, but I have played around and it seems fine. Yeah. I mean, I imagine the, the photos are going to come out uh, at par or better than the... Uh... The three, so that's fine. Yeah. How how do you uh, yeah. how do you find the going back to doing the eight bit S log three workflow? Yeah, it doesn't. I don't know if I just don't have a very well trained eye for color and video. I, I do spend quite a bit of time when I'm doing heavy photo editing, color tweaking. But for video, I just I'm more of a get it done first and learn a little bit as you go type sure. of thing. So I'm not really at a place where I'm spending a ton of time. Like I, I was when I was, I did some comparison testing between the A7C, A7III and A7IV. I did um, three of the same uh, scenes and then I dumbed down the A7IV to do 8-bit just to compare um, like exposure values um, and, and RGB values and all those things. And that was interesting on its own, but um, no, it's, I mean, it's been fine. Uh, uh, what was the original question? I, I think that just the workflow for for the um, yeah. the eight bit. I my assumption being that a lot of your stuff is kind of true to life. You're not really pushing those files very much. You, yeah, you, yeah. I'm not too cinematic. I, I, like I try. I like a good. Um, I like a good low key look. Uh, so I'm not pushing things too often. Right. Um, I'm not using lots of artificial lights either so what i get is what i get and i can usually make it work with how my kitchen is set up for most of that type of stuff um so yeah i mean fairly natural i'm not pushing things super hard uh hasn't been an issue really it, the workflow is no different for me than on the a7 IV, although i do shoot 10 bit just to have all the information you know available to me yeah, right um, yeah, fair play. I mean, I'm I'm pretty much all 10 bit now, and that's that's mostly just because uh, I have the data like space, and I have the the computers that can handle all of it. So like, I just get the best yeah. starting point I can. Um, moving into my next question, then, because you're an A74 user, and uh, you got that, and you're happy with it, how spicy? or unspicy do you find the rumors of an a7c2 being an a7 four kind of with a worse evf <laughs> um okay i i don't for one second believe that it will come with the a7-3's evf i just i don't buy it it's it's one of the pain points of the a7-3 then they came out with the a7c two years later and at that time it was acceptable but i don't buy that they can ride with that in 2023 if i if that happens i'll be pretty unhappy however if it's got the rest of the a74 specs it would be pretty hard for me to go um no i'll skip this generation because who knows how long it'll be for an a7c3 right i can deal with it but i'll be really unhappy if and i'll be shocked honestly if they keep the evf from this a73 it is a pain here's point. It really here's is. why i think it makes perfect sense for them to do that 
because many, 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 many people have proven that the FX30 and the FX3 is fine without one. And I would rather, yeah. somebody like me, would rather at least have one than to not have one. And that's the difference between me picking it up at all or not, is having an EVF. Because when I'm shooting outdoors, uh, especially at my current job, like I use it as a point of contact and it's just hard to see a screen and I don't always like having it external. 100%. So like, I would rather have that old one than go to an FX3. I've been flirting with the FX30 and FX3 for so long and every time I just throw it out of my mind because I can't live without an EVF. I agree. Um, definitely better to have than not. I just find it hard to believe that they can be okay with it, given the numerous. I mean, it's it's one of the one of the things people talk about all the time. And when the A7C came out, and still now, as things kind of pick up about this system, the A7C and the A7C2, it's one of the things people remember. Just most notably, is that EVF not great so we'll see i don't know i mean if it like i said if it stacks up with the a7 IV otherwise you know and even if somebody somebody messaged me when i got the camera and said man i would get the a7c if it had two two card slots and i get it but it's a form factor yeah. thing and it's a way to save space and they really did a phenomenal job reaching um that form factor to a point that actually makes a difference yeah. i mean 150 grams lighter is significant when you're talking about walking around for a couple hours with maybe a 51.4 or a 70 to 200. 150 grams cuts down a significant amount of weight. And adding back a card slot, who knows how much weight has to come back in for that? I don't know. I really am not an engineer. I can't say. But um, again, if it had only one card slot, me, I've accepted that for the A7C and I think it's okay. Um, the A7IV's got two. You know, I primarily use the A7IV for photo and I'm okay with it. Some people are not. Yeah. I, don't, I don't anticipate it having two card slots. I think that would that that would make it a too hard a sell next to an A7 IV, which I'm thinking they're probably trying to get two more years out of, um, at least yeah, one full sure. year, right? They're not gonna they're not gonna emaciate their sales at the A7 IV anytime soon. Um, no. But it is it is interesting and compelling because like maybe there's a version of this life where like it does just enough or maybe has like one new feature they're playing around with because they keep doing this thing where they'll like basically release a camera that has like 5% more something that the others don't without giving the older cameras that feature. So uh, I'm curious, but uh, <laughs> yeah. with that, if it's closer to what I think is going to be its direct competitor, which is this rumored R8, then if they get close to $1,500 then I think they'll sell a lot of that camera, but it's 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 still tough. Uh, I mean, if we want to move right into the R8, yeah. reading this rumor spec sheet thing, it really confused me, to be honest with you, because the R7 exists at the same price point. I have to imagine, I mean, possibly not, because we have the RP at, like, what is it, $1,000 or whatever it is, but a $1,500 spec sheet at 24 megapixels with what we're reading here, dual pixel AF, to um, 40 frames per second with the same processor so yeah they they lowered the resolution the sensor is a little different with the same processor but it's able to shoot more than double the frame rate um, I'm not sure if this is really going to be APS-C or it could be full frame uh, at 
32 megapixels of the R7 is. So who who knows? I'm I'm pretty the sure. R8. And the form factor is totally different, right? Like so that's the, what they're saying. The R7 anyway. Well, the, the R8 could be compact. No, right? so that so this is where I'm going. I think this is going to be like an A7C. I think this is going to be like a, a big M50. Um, I think it's going to be full frame. I bet you it's the R6 sensor, and with all of that kind of chucked in there, if it's like one card and it's like a you know, it, which at $1,500, I would be blown away if they put two cards in it. Yeah. Um, that was that was one of the things I highlighted. New form yeah. factor. Is that the differentiator? Yeah. It could be. And, I, I, and mean, I think... If it's an A7C competitor, I think that would be the thing to make it make yeah. sense. To and me. without IBIS, like a small rangefinder style, or maybe not even rangefinder, but maybe it doesn't have an EVF or something crazy. Like, if they're going to throw something out of the bag and they want to they wanna try and get, like we need people to buy our full-frame cameras. That's a yeah. good way to do it because they still aren't letting Tamron and those guys release lenses for them. So I'm sure, like, I'm sure every single time Sony and now the S5 II comes out, they're like, God dang it, what are we going to do to get this, like, mid-tier of consumer to buy our, our hybrid cameras? Um, it's just so interesting to me because, I mean, it's it on paper, it looks like a sports action type yep. of camera, 40 frames per second. Um, it's got 1080, 180, 1080p, 180 frames per second. Um, I, I, I have to wonder if they're shrinking it down like an A7C. Do sports and action shooters want that? I mean, who, who, who else is going to want the speed of a camera like that? Well... For, in that form factor. 40 frames per second could also be JPEGs and electronic shutter only. And True. you know what I mean? There's I there's a lot that could be going on to make that. Like 4K 60 oversampled from 6K, unlikely to be anything more than 15 minutes um, for that price. You know what I mean? Full HD 180 is pretty nice, but it's if it's you know downsampled or if it's you know pixel bend or line skipped or whatever, it's not going to be... Amazing as you know, the 1080p and the crop modes on the R6 and stuff are all pretty bad. So mm -hmm. I can't imagine it's going to mm -hmm. be like, you know, it sounds really nice on paper. I don't think it's going to be. It's going to be a mid-tier camera, and it's going to feel like one. And I think it's going to do the thing. But yeah. I'm interested. And it's in not trying to be anything more. As as this price states, yeah. I mean, it, to me, it was like, okay, they already have a $1,500 full-frame camera. What is a differentiator if it's the form factor? Yeah. Cool. You mean APS-C camera? Why does something... What's that? Oh, no, I mean, even if it is full frame, yeah. full frame or not, regardless, a $1,500 camera. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's a weird combo to me. I'd love to see it in action, see it come alive and, you know, explain some of the, some of the you know, the details. Yeah. We just don't know. Yeah. We just don't know. But uh, if, if it is a new form factor and if the kit lens is supposed to be the 24 <laughs> to 50, that lens that you and I think make absolutely zero sense, it's going to be tiny. And I think that's probably the move. True, true. Um, true, true you know, a lot yeah. more people are getting comfortable using cell phones. They don't want to have a big camera. I think the A7C2 and the R8 <clears throat> being that same form factor makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, everybody's trying to do run and gun content for their businesses and their, their jobs and stuff. I think it makes a lot of sense to have a smaller camera. Um, I think it's a good move to not go with IBIS. They have a lot of IS lenses, like their 35mm Prime is IS. They do a little bit more IS than a lot of other people, um, so it makes sense. I'm I'm excited. I think I think the lack of that was one of the things that stuck out to me too was lack of IBIS. Does that make sense in 2023? I think it does 
if it helps bring the cost down and keep the form factor as small and compact as they may want it to yeah. be. Well, and their ibis is bad, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it, turn that off. I don't want the wobble. Uh, right, right. You know, it, it could be it could be totally fine. And then, uh, I, forgive me if I'm incorrect, but does the 14 to 35 millimeter have IS? Yeah, the 14 to 35 mil has IS. <coughs> so that's a sick F4 tiny tiny wide zoom and do we know if that that 25 to 50 or whatever it is does that have it does it's an isstm lens okay so if that's the kit then it doesn't really matter too much i mean that's that's about as cheaply as so for 16.99 with that 24 to 50 which is a 4.5 to 6.3 which is insane which means it's tiny uh yeah you got you got a lens you got a camera rather that can shoot 4k way higher quality than a you know than a, a cell phone i don't care what anybody says you can do a lot with a kit lens that looks better than a cell phone um if you're just trying to make run and gun content creation so uh it's exciting yeah. i like that they're gonna have something in that realm i think sony needs to be pushed um and mm-hmm. i think the s5 two will do a little bit of pushing but uh they need they need it from both sides right so um as as a sony user i'd like to see them really really push and the only way to do that is for these guys to be releasing cool stuff yeah yeah i agree um so i guess we're just just right away deep into the rumor stuff should we just continue with this that this is gonna be a big rumor episode because like i didn't do a lot other than work this week um that between last week and this week just multiple big ones popped yeah. up. Yeah. Well, I mean it was it was like the stuff we alluded to all kind of started to actually open up and happen. So, uh Oh, plus some. Yeah. The the next thing being the uh the photo of that Sigma 50 mil. Well, there was a video. Uh I believe, right? Wasn't there a, a video? Uh, was there an announcement video for their presentation for the 7th? So they have a they have a product presentation. Well, there's dropping. that, but I thought there was a video of somebody using it. Oh, Maybe I'm wrong. I, Maybe it's just the photo. Yeah, I didn't um, see the video. So yeah, we saw the photo. Yeah. It's got the aperture ring, um new design. They've got the optical formula figured out. I mean, Sigma 514 Nikon D850 way back in the day was sharp as as hell. It was just amazing. So they've got the optical formula figured out. The glass is going to be good. We we sh- we know that. We can expect that. Um, now Sigma has been really over the last few years, really honing in on their build quality, build design, and making it feel like a first party lens. And they've been doing a pretty good job of that lately. And I want to see all of their work kind of culminate into an excellent 51.4. And if I'm not mistaken, what I saw was a rumored price of eight ninety nine. Was that right? Uh, I don't. I don't think I recall seeing the price, but maybe I think it was in the. Let me dig this up for a second. I can tell you that this this lens for me is dead on arrival. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, the picture instilled no confidence in my willingness to buy it. Um, it looks like it's longer. It looks like an HSM with like the MC11. That, that confused me. It, it does not. Yeah. It does not look small. Um, I have to agree. You know, I I wanted to be very confident in that, but when I did see the picture and saw how long it was from mount to aperture ring, I was like, 
what's going on it, there. It looks you like know, the 35. We've seen it shorter it, on other cameras. It, what's what's happening? It, it's because it looks like it's going to be similar. It's more similar to the 35 millimeter f1.2 they make than it is their DGDN like smaller, um, like their 85 and stuff. It's closer to that 35 right. 1.2 in design. And so for me, that's already too long for a 50. Like I wouldn't get rid of my baddest 40 mil for that period. Yeah, but you know, um, me, I'm all about like watching and reading the reviews. Yeah. So I want to see its performance. I want to see the images that come out of it. I'm not too bothered um, by you know how it looks at the mount end. I just it, I know I won't carry great. it. I just know I won't put it in my my sling bag. So like it's too it's too large for me to walk around with. So I won't get it. Which sucks because I was hoping that it would be like real close to you know. Here it is. Yeah, you're right. I'm looking at it again and I'm seeing just how long. Dude, I don't know if I could do it. That's that's big. It's wild. There is a video. Hold on. It's, there is. It's just it's just this? his video, I think, um, with the photo. Oh on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Like I said, I because I have experience with the the design on the Nikon mount a few years ago. I've taken some of the sharpest, best photos that I can remember on that lens. And I, that's, I, I crave that sharpness, that clarity. I crave it again. The bokeh fall off, it was so smooth. There were optical properties of that lens that no other lens for me has been able to touch since then. And I want it. I can deal with that. Um, but I, I need to see reviews, see how people like it in the hands that, you know, there's other things, yeah. but the I, I, i'm excited yeah. to see I, I guess later in this month the the g master should be kind of poking up so we might see photos yeah. of that soon and if that's even close to the size of the 35 mil i don't care if it's 500 dollars more i'm gonna buy it right because i need it to be i need it to be yeah. that size the the carl zeiss that i have is it's decently small that i feel like i can pack it away and i carry it around and i've been carrying it around so like I can't go back up to a large lens. That's why I got rid of my, uh, not the DGDN, the HSM, like the built-in MC11 version of their 35.14. I loved it optically, but it was just too big, and I didn't like carrying it around. Here it is. Uh, sorry, I was looking for the little spec sheet inside the video. He did put a bunch of things in there, and at the very bottom, it says around $850. Mm -hmm. Which is one of those things that, for me, I was talking about last time was... If it's under a thousand and the Sony is significantly over a thousand, thirteen hundred or twelve hundred, you know, four hundred, five hundred dollars is a big, it definitely like way past the threshold for me for of sure. consideration. Yeah. yeah, this is just one of the lenses I think I'm gonna have on one of my body, one of my two bodies, like all the time. So for yeah, that's a that's a done deal. I think like a, a smaller fifty-one four and the seventy to two hundred is basically all I'll need. Um, I'm also considering selling my 85 and my 24 to 105 now that I've been using this 28 to 70 uh, that I have from work mm. and things like I just I only need the couple of lenses for what I do yeah I don't know we'll see all I know is I miss a good 514 we've been without the per the perfect option for me anyway for you know since I moved into the Sony space didn't want to adapt um, and you know, this is this is our option from Sigma, and I really hope it. I hope it at least lives up to the optical quality that I remember. I'm sure it will. I mean, it I does, can't imagine. It's, I'm yeah, I can't it. imagine it's not going to. Um, right. Like right. even even this contemporary. I mean, I remember. 
I paid 900 bucks for the Sigma one for, I believe, uh, back on Nikon. I would be happy to pay for it again to, to have that, that shooting experience right. again. Yeah, yeah. It was a good lens. All of, all of their recent stuff has been good. Like I said, this contemporary 28 to 70 has been kind of blowing me away all week. I, I did a bunch of uh, Instagram posts for my job and the fall off's great on it. It, it does what it needs mm. to do. Um, my long arms, I can vlog with a 28 mil. So it's been kind of, uh, mm. kind of clutch. It's like the size of the 20 mil one eight. It's insane. How, like how much <laughs> lens you get for, uh, that is crazy. Little, yeah, it's tiny. Um, so, you know, normally I, I kind of love that 24 to 28 mil range, but I haven't really been missing it because I, like I said, that's the smallest little setup that I've had. Uh, that's that <laughs> versatile. So, well, um, I guess it's worth mentioning. We really don't have to dig into this because patent rumors are basically pixie dust as far as I'm concerned. But I did make a note about this. Canon patents a 304. Can you imagine holding such a lens? Uh, yeah, I can. I mean, it would we've be had 302.8s, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would be it would be massive. Yeah. Um, and I know wildlife photographers who would buy this. In oh, I know. I, know. I, know, I personally it. know sports guys that would just die. They would probably get rid of like... They'd eat it up. Yeah, they'd probably get rid of a couple of their lenses to grab one. Um, yeah. And plus, I mean, with a 2X on it, you'd get a 600 to 4. What, what do you think a price on a, on a 300 2.4 would be? Or is it 200? 325 probably be like five six i was gonna i was gonna say between six and ten i don't know what it would be but i assume it's gonna be you know one of their high-end l-mount lenses um yeah i just thought that was interesting they've got a 400 f5 coming what are they oh this one was interesting a 14 millimeter 1.4 that sounds that sounds like a chonky lens but (laughs) (laughs) um yeah but uh again another really cool one i'd like to see some more interesting stuff from sony um I'd like to see some more interesting stuff from Panasonic because I'm finally at a point where I can just kind of live with the cameras I have and not, not cry too much and wait for the next big thing. And, uh, well, you know, me and Lumix. Yeah. We are like half a decade now into uh, a mainstream mirrorless space. Yeah. And I can't help but think back on my time with Nikon for a while and, and remember sitting there in, what was it, 2019, watching the Z announcement when they were late to the game with mirrorless and going, okay, great, now where are the lenses? And here we are in 2023, and they're still not creating anything like Canon has created. And then we get to Canon and think about what they actually have. Like, what do they actually have? They got the 20 to 70. Is, is it 20, 20, uh, 28 to 70? Is that it? The F2? Uh, what, Canons? Yeah, Canons. Yeah. yeah, so we have that from Canon. And we know that there's capability for doing things like that or taking things down to a 1.2, a 35.12. You know, we've got capability to, to really bring in more light, bring in more just wider aperture lenses with weird ranges we can be more creative now they can be more creative engineering these lenses and we haven't seen it from nikon yet their hey, roadmap hey, is hey, just so hey, stretched hey, out hey. seven people bought the knocked okay seven people all manual focus i fully believe those are all locked up in a warehouse somewhere and they get just rotated out no one owns those yeah right but you know that was um thing. A yeah, big hurrah yeah, to sell it and then just not do anything else which is insane it was definitely an expensive marketing piece just like uh what was it um fuji brought in like 90 creators to japan that was panasonic 
Oh, Panasonic yeah. was it? That Panasonic? was for the S5 too. I mean, yeah. imagine that's got to be like quarter million dollar marketing expense. You you know all of those all of those YouTubers got to keep all that shit, right? So, and uh, it's yeah, it's interesting okay. how it works, right? It's like loaned to them indefinitely, so they can't sell it, they can't that's get rid of it, and they got the whole set of primes, basically. Uh, well, they're all ambassadors. No, right? so they're pretty much. Oh, they're no, not. Like most wow. of them aren't ambassadors. It was like. It I was like I just assumed. it was like Tyler Stallman and Terry Warfield and like all wow. these guys who like Tyler Stallman's a Canon guy. Well, he's a Canon Fuji. He kind of does whatever. He's not really owned by anybody, but like he's not a Lumix ambassador. And then uh, Terry Warfield's a Sony shooter, but he's not bound to anybody necessarily either. Um, I don't think Dave Mays is. I don't think a lot of those guys are. Well, I guess that just shows Panasonic's confidence, and they should be confident. Yeah. But, they um, need to sell those yeah, cameras. I mean, like they had, they were like, wild. okay, what's giving away eighty cameras if we can't sell, you know, ten thousand? And not just cameras, they got to give lenses yeah, well, too. They, I they, mean, that had to be so expensive. Their their margins straight from the marketing team, though. You know what I mean? Like, what's a better way to to market than to just get some people over to Japan? And that, like, it's yeah. it's insane. Fortunately, Panasonic's not a small company. <clears throat> I don't know what they're. No, they're not, and they do a whole lot more than just cameras. I mean, even within the camera space, they've got you know pro cine bodies out there for Hollywood. Basically, they're doing. Oh, they fine. do security cameras. Uh, unlike, they do like uh, they do yeah. imaging for like most industries. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not surprised they have the budget for it. I'm just yeah. saying, holy crap, that bill must have been. Yeah, large. it was fat, but it it did exactly what it needed to do. I am fully back on waiting to hear what their next cameras are. I'll likely be a Lumix user again in the future. Um, like I said, I don't like being owned by anybody. I'm waiting for Canon to wow me to go back because my very first camera system was a 70. Um, and I love their glass. I just need their Ibis to not be gross and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, things like that. So the, I will say like V-Log, like full V-Log for the Lumix cameras is way better than S-Log3. Um, the colors that come out of those mm. cameras are so nice having all of the video features that like uh if if you've never had shutter angle on a camera once you use it you'll be so pissed that it's not on like all the cameras because <laughs> all i have to do is change my fps and my shutter angle's 180 it doesn't matter i don't have to change anything it's it's really easy to to navigate and uh you know even going up to like a 360 shutter and down to a 90 shutter and things like that it just kind of makes a lot more sense when you get down to it um uh open gate all this stuff that like fuji's doing it a little bit i cannot believe i i desperately need sony to either release a camera soon that's doing all this stuff or i will probably consider selling my a7s3 just chilling with the pair of a7s4s and kind of toning back my kit a little bit maybe even selling my 70 to 200 and waiting for somebody else to do what i need because i uh I have desires for my cameras, right? Like I want to do yeah. particular things, and uh, if they aren't gonna deliver, then <laughs> yeah. That's always one of the other topic ideas I had was upgrading, reinvesting, gas, selling and trading camera gear. I mean, both of us have been kind of going through this back and forth for the last, I mean, for a while now, um, even through and before you were in the Philippines and it's been on my mind a lot. And since I bought the a7C, I mean, I loved it. And now I've got this a7 III sitting here that I can 
sell and reinvest and I've been having a hard time trying to find a buyer even though it's at a pretty good price with the lens that's on it I've had a couple of people um, send out a message but nobody's been committed yet so I finally just was like okay I'm just gonna see what Adorama's gonna give me and I haven't heard back yet they usually wait about a week to give an actual call back on your phone and talk to you like a human yeah. <laughs> which is cool um, and basically you explain what you've got what the condition is and they'll give you like a quote they'll say this is what the value is and we can guarantee you 70% of that value and I'd be happy if they offered me a thousand bucks and I would reinvest it right into that signal my mind would be blown if they give you a thousand dollars for that camera but godspeed man oh with the lens not I mean yeah it's I mean the lens is what what is it about 450 retail so in good condition I'm thinking they'll add maybe about 150 bucks to to the value of the camera so if if it comes pretty close to a thousand bucks i'll probably take it because it's i did this once when i sold all my nikon gear and um even though i could have gotten hundreds of dollars more if i sold it privately it would have been almost impossible for me to offload it was like five or six different lenses everything from super wide angle to super telephoto um between a d850 body that you know is 2500 bucks maybe i could have got um at the time it's finding a buyer for all those little things is difficult and you're not going to find one to buy them all. It, it just, it, it doesn't, that doesn't happen. So I had to, um, I had to look at all the, all the options and Adorama and you know, there's other companies that do it too. MPB and KEH, all those guys, they'll do the same thing. Um, but Adorama, I think is the only one I know that guarantee that just tells you guarantee they'll give you 70% of whatever they believe the value is, which I kind of like. Um, and they've got their spec sheet for um, <clears throat> what conditions are what and how it falls under what. So there's a little bit of like, I don't like to say I trust companies, but there's like this expectation. And that's nice. It's a little comforting to say, here's here's what I got. And I pretty much can kind of guess what you're going to offer me in if it's going to be in that ballpark, I'd probably take yeah. it. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I, I went through a similar kind of moment in the last two weeks where I realized because of the A7R4A and, you know, the 5 <clears throat> being out for now a couple months and the, the A7 IV being so good, I was like, my A7R4 is going to get so hard to sell that it won't be worth selling. That I'll just have to live with, like, having an old Sony camera because I won't I, – I bought it new i bought it new when it was a new camera so i spent thirty five hundred dollars on that thing i don't want to sell it for 1500 bucks <laughs> and uh, i got really lucky because i have a decent amount of friends in the marketing uh you know content creation world in my current job that i just accepted industry and one of them reached out and i'd known him for a couple of years and he was like hey i have an a7s3 and an a7 4 and I kind of want to do the opposite of what you want to do. I want the higher megapixel photo-only camera because I use some cameras at work that are different from my own. And uh, so I, I pulled off. I did trade him my battery grip, which is not a cheap battery grip, and mm-hmm. and, and the yeah. A7R4 for his A7 IV. But for me honestly that's the only way to kind of like future proof my setup i guess like at worst case scenario both of my video cameras will match now and going into the future they can be used as studio cameras they can be used as webcams they can kind of match for whatever little projects i have and uh, i have an a7 IV at work as well so now i have three cameras that can shoot s tone and a good s log three 
and I have my, uh, you know, the the shop has an old A7S II that's IR or full spectrum modified. So uh, between yeah. the four Sony cameras, like what else could I need <laughs> until they drop yeah. something that shoots like 240 FPS in 4K? Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to make like a separate note just to tell our listeners out there, this is like the thought process in the mind space of like working professionals who have to keep in mind like how value depreciates over time and how to reinvest so that you're kind of always on top and you can kind of almost think of it like renting year over year you get something and then you sell it you take that money and you acquire something newer this is not something that i think most people do or should even worry about gas is a real thing gear acquisition syndrome definitely a real thing but i just wanted to like let people know out there you don't have to like listen to us and start thinking Oh, I should probably be buying an A7 IV now. This is this is like you know what people are using. Don't you can I mean if you're if you're not a working professional if you're listening to us and you're just out there taking nature photos, do not feel pressured to buy the things that we talk about. Um, you know if you've got your A7 original A7 body and you get the pictures that you like, you know, it's just it's it's awesome. I'm happy for you. So I have I have a video on my YouTube channel where when we had the pre-orders out for the a7 IV, i talked about does this thing do enough to either replace my a7r4 or my a7s3 and the way i have to look at things because i i do kind of a lot of photo and video like i'm as hybrid of a shooter as you possibly can be realistically like i don't know how you know i rely fully on like full-time filmmaking and full-time e-commerce Instagram photography, like the whole deal. Um, at the time, there was a reason for me to keep an A7R4. If I was a photographer, if I was a wedding photographer or just like a portrait shooter, I probably could, I could run an A7R4 for the next five years because that thing takes mm-hmm. incredible images. Um, and I'm gonna miss the 61 megapixels. However, uh, when I when I know I have to split time, when I'm doing more video than photo the a7r4 becomes nearly useless for my workflow because i know how long it's going to take me to match the colors of that camera's video to my a7s3 and i can basically get the look out of camera that i want for an a7s3 and you know i'm being paid by a company to make this stuff for them this isn't just like youtube things this is like uh you know the marketing content that we produce all the time and i need to be able to do it effectively quickly and reliably <laughs> and uh mm-hmm. i've tried making LUTs to match like a cine tone i have messed with everybody's everybody's like settings to match a cine tone on the a7 III, the a6500 and the a7r4 and they all are so far off i have calibrated monitors i have like the tools necessary to make this happen and it's still it's rough it's not easy um mm-hmm. so i will talk often about uh you know what that looks like moving forward for me with gear, but uh, you know you could you could be running an A7 III for social media content right now and be crushing it. I I know people that are doing way better than me, <laughs> still running them. So, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and there there are obviously all the the niche folks that are in the industry that is you know camera and content creation running the best yeah. of the best and. They have, you know, an FX six and an FX three and an A seven S three, and like you're like, oh well, what? Well, you Mm -hmm. you shouldn't make shorts and reels on an FX six. 
Just saying. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just one of those things where if you're if you're a working professional or whatever that word means to you, even if you're not, even if you're just really, really deep into like making content and you're, you just want to do it as best as you can, you are going to get to a point where you notice certain things about certain cameras that could be better and you're going to start looking at other cameras that have those features that you really want. If I was not doing um, YouTube, right, um, I probably would still have the D850. I might not have ever sold that to get the A7 IV. Um, the A7 IV just had this awesome hybrid package that I really liked. Um, and when I was kind of transitioning into doing the coffee stuff and even before that the d850 is an amazing photo camera just absolutely stunning images have come out of that for me but i was ready to move into mirrorless for other reasons including video so it's just one of those things like if you're only shooting photos um and you don't need i don't know i mean even the d850 was pretty fast for what it was so it, it could have it, i could have run with that for years i really yeah, could have totally. Uh, I think it's funny. I think some of the best creators right now on YouTube, even they're moving back to iPhones for their videos, and uh, and it's incredible to iPhone video is kind of ridiculously well, good. Well, there's there's a lot of cell phones that are just doing solid 4K video right now, and if you just need to tell a story quickly, the cameras get in the way sometimes. Unless you're making tech well, content where it actually has like a purpose like if i was going to make camera videos or this podcast like there's a reason why we use our cameras and we talk about cameras but if i'm trying to tell you stories uh, or if i'm showing you other stuff it's so unnecessary if you don't have something yeah. important to say then it probably doesn't need to be you know improved mm -hmm. upon by camera quality <laughs> mm -hmm. i've definitely had some decent reels and shorts pop off a little bit that were very quick little front facing selfie cam videos of me going hey this is how you do this, this type of thing with coffee and it takes 20 seconds and there's like hardly any cuts no filters whatever and it's just for, for whatever reason the algorithm picks it up whether it's a social thing people see your face they want to learn whatever you're talking about and you're fast with it there's a whole lot of factors that go along with how the resulting content performs but you definitely don't need the best of the best to make content work yeah absolutely um I'm I'm certainly to the point where I think I've tamed my gas just enough now, especially like trying <laughs> to get into content is different than working with content, right? Um, I think a lot of the conversation gets like really amplified by a lot of people that are looking for clients and trying to improve their portfolios. And like when you're in that part of your like journey, you end up going, well, I need every advantage I can get if I can throw a little bit more money at this and differentiate somehow to clients or whatever. That grind is like almost never ending. But the second, like I'm 90% of my day is to create content and to do photo and video, but it's for a company and I have a salary. So now that that happens, I go, oh, I actually don't need anything. Like, <laughs> like I have everything that I could, I could really want. Like I have a really, really nice kit. And so remember that it's easy to try and use it as a way to differentiate and make more stuff that like might pop off. But I can tell you clients are not looking at the difference between an FX six and a seven S three. They just sure. don't care. And I can tell you that a lot of my best performing social media photography posts that I've made in the last uh, I guess even the, the last month since being back in Kalamazoo, 
they were on a 12 megapixel A7S III. So, <laughs> and they look great <laughs> because it's on Instagram and it's on Twitter and it's on Facebook. So, uh, yeah, I, I think this is a conversation that I want to pick up again when it becomes more relevant in other ways. But it's just so important to remember that, like, I want to see people creating. I think when people are being interesting and there's something new, that's more interesting than talking about how you got the shot because of the camera or like this is new sample footage yeah. from this new camera or whatever. And if you don't mind, I'd love to use that as a transition to talk about that's pretty much exactly the way that I uh, frame my workshops when I have people come in. I don't even tell people that they necessarily need a camera anymore. I'm, I kind of open it up to people with a phone who are just basically curious and motivated to try and create anything. Um, phones now, and for the last like three or four years, have had things like astro mode. Stick it on a tripod and you can get images like you could just only a few years prior with DSLRs, right? Um, they're they're kind of crazy. And that's what I was talking about with the iPhone video. I don't know another phone system right now that has the same kind of subject detection and then AI, um, uh, what's it called, uh, uh, depth of yeah. field kind of effects that they provide for video specifically. Um, they're, they've set themselves apart. I can almost always tell it's an iPhone and a newer yeah. iPhone that's taking whatever videos. But anyway, um, talking about this with workshops, my workshops, I bring people along all the time that have Nikon D3200 or Canon Rebel whatever there's absolutely nothing wrong with learning on these these entry level cameras right um and there's so much you can do with them not only that but you can you can evolve on those systems with different levels of glass right you can get a 70 to 200 and put it on a Nikon D3200 and get amazing images you're going to run into those things where you realize where the camera is kind of lacking in certain things but when i do my workshops i'm just like bring your d3200 if that's all you've got bring your iphone if that's all you've got i can teach you the fundamentals of how to approach a scene whether whether it's for photography or whatever understanding composition is entirely different being creative has no relation to the to the equipment you use whatsoever well i mean uh, so one thing that i've been doing um i've been I, I'm a sucker for Instagram stories. Uh, David knows this, but like I, I think that's still the oh, most compelling. Like my day to day, if I see somebody that I like has a new story, I click on it so fast. Uh, it's my it's my mm -hmm. favorite part of Instagram, and I'm guilty of grabbing my you know high end camera and making a bunch of stories because I shoot in nine by sixteen all the time. I frame for that because I yeah. just I got to doing it for the jobs that I was holding. And uh, lately, because of uh, Patrick Tommaso, shout out to him, uh, he has produced some of the most beautiful images on an iPhone I've seen in my life. Uh, if you like, you know, like just like dirty, gnarly old like 90s and, and early 2000s like cinema, I'm thinking like Carl uh, uh, I Wong, like Hong Kong films and stuff like that. My dude's photos on his iPhone are sick. And so now I just, I go into Lightroom Mobile and I just am snapping any story that you've seen in the last little bit has been using my Lightroom and editing and trying to get like grain and trying to make it look like it's just this like gnarlier, dirtier image than what an iPhone would normally produce. And I love it. Um, 
it's it's made me have to think differently about like the use of depth of field and framing and like i i adore the wide angle on the iphone i think the wide angles the ultra wide is super sick um i do kind of miss that my 11 pro had a, a 2x telephoto because the new one goes to three right away which is uh generally tighter than i need for most stuff but um between video and photos on an iPhone, I think that ultra wide lens is just like the differentiator that uh, really makes it kind of feel not like a phone, but still a great, a great image. Definitely, yeah. Well, um, I don't think there's anything else on the sheet that I need to touch on. No, I think that was it, man. Uh, just wanted to touch on some of those, uh, some of those rumors that kind of sparked off and our uh our two two camera situations right now so uh so what do you got what um yeah before we sign off here i would love to know like i kind of wanted to bring this up earlier but like we talked about the philippines last yeah. time and we talked about some of the stuff we've been doing in 2022 what's your day-to-day -day look like now i know you kind of touched on a little bit about what you're doing yeah. what is what is it you're actually looking at so i i work for a manufacturing engineering company that does some firearm stuff so i guess i'm like adjacent to the defense and firearms industry um right now i've been doing a lot of kind of preemptive marketing research to figure out how we can broaden our reach uh, which has been really interesting. I've been looking at a lot of content from a lot of different um, like adjacent industries, whether it be hunting or outdoors stuff, which is, I'm not a hunter, but I love the outdoors. I love hiking, backpacking, that whole thing. Um, so it's been interesting to try to take this incredibly broad. If this is the entire like market we could have, we have like 5% on either end, that's like our regular customers, and then we maybe have another 2.5% on either end, that is like our close customers. So we have this huge like margin that we can play with. Um, we're branching out into some different products, that's really exciting. So I'm, I'm regularly looking at how to, how to frame relatively simple products in a way that like, again, I always say we provide solutions to problems very particular to a shooter. Um, right now, much of our solution set, I would say, is optics related, so uh, sighting and things like that. But it's going to move kind of in some other places, which is really exciting. Um, but yeah, it's, it's trying to show and educate and uh, broaden the reach to what used to be kind of a niche uh, market, and now it's it's like an everyday thing. So um, you'd brought up the Philippines and trying to shoot every single day and make that interesting and storytell has turned into how can I tell stories of the shop, which is largely like machining and things like that while we're also shooting and training and then working with like law enforcement and military and doing some other stuff and like trying to just get in to all these places and make it actually like a compelling piece of I'm trying to I'm trying to choose a lot of careful words because this is a pretty divisive industry and my goal as somebody who's not necessarily like uh super conservative or you know in a lot of the stereotypical other than being like a white man in this industry i'm trying i'm trying to show that like it's a much more diverse piece of american culture and that's been 
super challenging and really exciting. So I basically get to come up with a new way to kind of make this kind of content and get away from some of the flashy, almost like intense, like dude bro marketing and uh, really try to branch out to different brains and different eyes and different audiences. And that's been growing how I take photos and how I take video and how I want to communicate so much as a, a marketer and a, a content creator. Um, that was really long-winded. Again, I'm, I'm trying to trying trying to stay away <laughs> from getting too into the nitty-gritty of that industry. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. I just wanted to give the listeners a little idea of exactly what our eyeballs are on day to day. I mean, if you guys follow either of us, you know it. But for me, I'm looking at coffee all the time. Being a coffee roaster, I've been moving a lot of my content um, towards branding myself within the coffee industry, roasting and brewing and selling it at farmer's markets and things like that. So a lot of my content actually production is in that space still. Um, even though I still do my photo workshops and I still do weddings here and there, and I still go out all the time to do photography for me personally. And I sell prints and I, you know, I just sold, um, sold all but one of my books that I wrote. So I'm trying to like maintain that level of production within just the photo space on its own and that's a lot of fun for me now because I've got the coffee to kind of fall back onto and use my skills in but just so you guys know if you're new here that's kind of what we're about I mean I'm I'm into the coffee and so if you follow the both of us you get this little diverse set of exactly how photo and video plays into some working professional lives yeah for sure I mean it's it's definitely interesting now that I've accepted a job as like a a marketing media director Right. Like I have uh, I have a lot more tasks on the back end of trying to figure out how to how to communicate with images to people. And uh, obviously I studied this and I've been doing it for a long time. But, uh, you know, when you when you really get into it, it, it becomes, oh, this is real right now. We <laughs> it becomes a yeah. much deeper task. And it's like I I do this stuff like yesterday and today. Like that's that's what I'm doing all the time because that's just how my brain works. Um I'd like to get into a little bit more of uh, how that translates to storytelling and actually communicating with an audience um, as I kind of go through this journey, but it's it's super exciting. Yeah, I think that's all I got. Sounds good. Uh, you know, we kept it under an hour this time, so uh, we'll... <laughs> I have not seen a thermal icon on my LCD, so I think we're okay. Nice, right on. Well, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, this has been the Light Over Time Podcast. We will catch you the next time we speak. <laughs> Bye, guys.